all around us are signs, printed signs that help us in so many ways. There is, for example, this sign that many of us love to see when we travel somewhere and need a restroom. Unless that restroom happens to be noted for being not so clean. This sign is very important to us to keep us safe. It issues a direct command. And then there are signs that help protect us like no admittance or danger, high voltage. And then there's a sign like speed limit, 25 miles an hour, that guide us to safety as we travel around others in our journeys. This morning on Mother's Day, we want to consider some key signs to a godly home. I really believe that the Bible gives us some wonderful teaching that help us parents in turn train our children. God trains us through His Word so that we can train them and give them spiritual signs that will lead them in the right direction. So we're going to look this morning at the book of Deuteronomy chapter 6 and I trust we'll see the great value in training in our homes. Biblical training, proper training. And by the way, while we're looking at Deuteronomy 6, just remember that the New Testament is not short at all on verses that emphasize proper biblical training either. Here are just three examples. Luke 6 verse 40. A pupil is not above his teacher, but everyone after he is fully trained will be like his teacher. And it would be great if that were to happen in our homes consistently, that our children would be like us in our love for the Lord. Hebrews 12, verse 11. All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, and we know how that goes, but sorrowful. Yet to those who have been trained by it, Afterwards, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. And then finally, 2 Timothy 3.16. All Scripture, Old and New Testament, Deuteronomy as well, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. So this morning I want you to look with me at the first nine verses of Deuteronomy chapter 6. And we're going to talk about God training us who are parents, adults, and then how we in turn can train our children. First of all, training the parents. Verses 1 through 3, notice it with me. Now this is the commandment the statutes and the judgments which the Lord your God has commanded me, that is Moses, to teach you, that you might do them in the land where you are going over to possess it, so that you and your son and your grandson might fear the Lord your God to keep all His statutes and His commandments which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be prolonged. O Israel! You should listen and be careful to do it, that it may be well with you, and that you may multiply greatly, just as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you, in a land flowing with milk and honey. Moses is speaking here to the people of Israel before they enter the promised land, and he's reminding them of God's commands, commands that God gave to Moses, that Moses is in turn now to give to the people of Israel. 
But Moses is quick not only to mention the commands, but to give them specific instructions as to why these commands have been given. I want us to use that word that, or the phrase so that, that comes up in verses 1, 2, and 3, so that we can see five purposes for these commandments from God through Moses to the people and their families, and today our families as well. The first purpose is that we might do them. Look at verse 1 again. So that you might do them in the land where you are going. In other words, they're not just to read or hear them or study them or even memorize them. They are to do them. And if we're going to have godly homes today, we need to obey the Scriptures that teach and train us as adults in how to rear God-honoring children and how children are to be obedient to their parents. The New Testament, Ephesians chapter 4, commands children in verse 1 to be obedient to their parents. These commands in either the Old or the New Testament are just like those signs that I was holding up that keep us safe and help direct our paths. The second purpose is that we might fear the Lord. Verse 2, that you might fear the Lord your God. Both parents and children need to have a holy reverence for, a respect for God that will keep us on track in our training. Disrespect is bad enough in our homes, but when it turns to disrespect for God or disregard for God's commands, that's a serious matter. The third purpose is that our days would be prolonged. All the days of your life, that your days may be prolonged. A promise from God through His leader Moses to the people of Israel. If they will honor God in the way that they raise their children through their whole lifetime, they will have a long life in the new land. I'm so thankful for many godly people I know today who have raised their children to love God and serve God. And God has blessed them with long lives. He's been gracious to bless their lives with many years in which to walk with Him. Fourthly, that it may be well with you. So not only a long life, but a good life. A life where things go well from the hand of God upon us. That doesn't mean that there's never trouble or sorrow. We know that that happens in our lives. But what it means is that God will be right there with us. He is right there with us every step of the way. He'll never leave us or forsake us. And that in itself is going pretty well, isn't it? To have God right there with us. And then finally, the the fifth purpose is that we would multiply greatly. Moses finally reveals that one purpose of obeying these commands is that they will multiply, that they'll have many sons and daughters when they enter the promised land. And the result will be that if they're going to walk with God, they will never be eliminated as a people. They'll never die out as a people. Instead, they will grow in numbers and prosperity. But because the people didn't obey these commands... Throughout much of their history, they dwindled down in number. And the sad fact is that 
if God were not faithful to His promises and that there would always be a remnant, a small group of committed believers, the Jewish people would have been wiped out. Think of how many were lost just in one world war. Millions of Jews. Multiply greatly. A word of challenge to us parents about parenting and about training our children to follow God with all their heart. The late Ray Steadman, a wonderful California pastor, used to say, this can't happen through us unless it happens to us. And I think there's biblical merit for that statement. Parents must take these divine purposes and apply them to our lives if we're going to be able to pass them on to our children. If we're not going to take these purposes and promises seriously, then our children won't either. That makes sense, doesn't it? Let me give a couple of examples. If I don't make church a priority in my life as a parent, a father or a mother, or just an adult, young people and children are going to watch that and they're not going to want to have church be a part of their lives either. I'm so thankful that my parents never, ever miss church. Not once in my entire growing up years. Ever. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, we were always there. And like someone else mentioned, we were always there early. (laughs) Very early. But that had an effect on me, and I thank God for that. Bible reading. If I talk to my kids about the Bible, but they never see me read the Bible, it's not going to make much of an impact on them. And the Bible is going to be a nice book that sits on a shelf or lays on the coffee table, but never gets opened, never gets read. Our children need to see us reading the Bible. They need to hear us praying. That's where they're going to learn the value of prayer. They need to see us sharing our faith, witnessing for Jesus. They also need to see us sharing of our material blessings with those in need so that they will become caring, compassionate, sharing people as well. That's how it works. Moses didn't just say, secondly, do this and here's why. Here are the purposes. He also tells the people in verses 5 through 9 how to accomplish this. It's a big challenge to be parents. It's a big challenge for a nation of people, whether Israel or the United States of America, to have families that are solid, God-fearing, God-honoring families. So here are some procedures. Here's how to make this happen. And the text is very specific. First of all, Moses says, Take truth about God to heart yourselves, mom and dad. Take truth about God to heart yourselves. Look at verse 5. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your might. Look at verse 6. These words which I am commanding you this day shall be on your heart, mom and dad, on your heart. We need to take this seriously. Our children need to learn from us. Not just be informed in their minds about family rules, but learn from us about God's rules, the teachings of the Bible. We need to train them and train their hearts and train their minds. Training comes from practicing 
these commands, these principles, practicing them ourselves and then challenging our children to practice them. And it means practicing them over the long haul. Not just for a month, not just for a year, but over the long haul of our children growing up and being in the home. And so secondly, this next procedure is critical. Verse 7, you shall teach them and talk about them. You shall teach about God. You shall talk about Him. Look at verse 7. You shall teach them, your children, diligently. Teach these commands diligently to your sons and shall talk of them. Teach and talk. What that says to me is that these truths that we are to pass on to our children as we train them spiritually is not just meant for Sundays. It's something we are to do every day, all day long. Notice the wording of that verse. Sitting, walking, lying down, rising up. All times of the day, all day long, we're to be at this. So the primary focus here as it was throughout most of Israel's history and most of modern history up until just very recent times, the primary focus is on mothers. Since in most of history, mothers spent the most time with their children while fathers were out earning a living. Now, it's not left to mothers only, for sure. Ephesians 6.4 addresses fathers and tells them to bring up their children in the nurture and training of the Lord. But over time, the influence of a godly mother will be felt because of the time that she spends with her children, the time she devotes to training her children. So, first of all, take truth about God to heart yourselves. Secondly, teach and talk about God. And then thirdly, post these truths everywhere. Look at verse 8. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. And you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Moses doesn't mean here in verses 8 and 9 that parents are literally to tattoo these commands on the back of their hand or on their forehead or paint them on their doors or on the gates to the yard. He's referring to the fact that if we are consistent and steady in teaching these things, our kids are going to act as if this stuff is all around them. They can't get away from it. Good thing. Good thing. So it's not something to be done mechanically. The Jewish leaders in Jesus' day took this in a very mechanical way. And so they developed these little boxes, much like this one. And they would write down verses of Scripture from the Torah and put it in these little boxes. And they'd wear them on their left hand and on their foreheads. They called them phylacteries. And here's what Jesus said about that. Matthew 23, verse 5, They do all their deeds to be noticed by men, for they broaden their phylacteries. What he's talking about there is that what these Jewish leaders would do if they wanted to look really spiritual is they'd make these boxes bigger and bigger and bigger and stuff them with more and more and more Scripture. So they got this huge box they can hardly see around it on their forehead and on their left hand. Silly. 
God wants us not to write them down and carry them in a box on our wrist or our forehead. He wants us to live them. And that's the way we post these truths everywhere. We live them so consistently that our children realize this is important. This is something that's all around in our house. The atmosphere of godliness. The atmosphere of of dedication to the truth of God's Word. It's all around us. So it's not a contest to see who can be the most spiritual by writing down the most Bible verses. It's almost like having these truths written on our walls and our ceilings and our mirrors and our blankets and our table covers. But most of all, it's written in our hearts and in our minds. How much better it would be to have these teachings of God's Word so ingrained in us by practice, by consistently doing these things, that our children then realize this is really critical. I need to do this. Mom and Dad are doing it. I need to do it. And so that brings us to those who specifically train the children. You see, that training can't be mechanical. It has to be deeply spiritual and personal. So in verses 4 through 9, he talks about that specific training. It's a training having to do with the nature and character of God more than anything else. So verse 4 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, and that Lord is one. One God. We don't worship all the gods of the Canaanites to where we're going, although Israel ultimately did that, sadly. We worship one God, the one true God. And we train our children to worship one God, eternally existing in Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There's another key Old Testament verse that goes side by side with the instruction that Moses is giving here to the people of Israel about the purposes and procedures of this training. It comes from Solomon, and it's in Proverbs 22, verse 6. And it says simply, Train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. And that word train in Proverbs 22, 6 is a very powerful Hebrew word. As far as I can tell, it's pronounced chanak. And it has four different meanings depending on where it's used in the Old Testament. Four different uses in the Old Testament. Each of those uses represents a different symbol of how we do this parenting, how we do this training. So let me talk just for a moment about those four meanings of the word. First of all, I want us to think through this value of a parent's training, specifically a mother's training. And by the way, this this is Mother's Day, and our focus is primarily, though not exclusively, mothers. So this illustration is designed to honor them. And then we'll get into these four words. One study shows that nine out of ten husbands agree that their wives are always right. The tenth one hasn't been seen or heard from since the study was conducted. (laughs) But we know that moms and women and men are not always right. But the truth is we need the training of both parents in our homes. 
Our children desperately need these symbols to impact their young lives. So let's talk about these symbols, these meanings of that word Hanak. The first word meaning is to dedicate. And I believe that word dedicate has two ways to emphasize its intent. One way is that a parent, mother or father, or hopefully both, will dedicate their child or their children to the Lord. Remember, Hannah did that in the Old Testament, didn't she? She'd been barren for a long time. She prayed and asked God for a child. And she specifically told God, if you will give me a son, I will dedicate him to the Lord for the rest of his life. And God gave her a child in response to her prayer. And she did exactly that. She gave her son from the time he was weaned to be a prophet and judge in Israel for the rest of his life. So that's one aspect of dedicating, is dedicating ourselves as parents, but also dedicating our children. Giving the child back to God, dedicating then ourselves as parents, both ways. It works in both directions. Different times when we've had uh, parent-child dedication services here in our church, I've said to the parents very specifically, this is a parent dedication more than it is a child or infant dedication or baby dedication. And I've said that because the fact of the matter is the little baby isn't going to understand that ceremony. It's not going to make any sense to them. But what they will understand is the devotion and dedication of their mom or dad for the rest of their lives. That will connect with them. So they will know how dedicated or disconnected mom or dad have been in their formative years. The second meaning of that word is to navigate. It literally means to make narrow. It pictures a parent marking out a pathway for their child to travel on. A pathway that is narrow and focused. Jesus spoke about that in Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Enter by the narrow gate, He said, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction, and many are those who enter by it. But the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life, and few are those who find it. The Christian mom or dad who wants their child to walk that narrow way, that way that leads to life instead of disaster, must also walk that narrow way. We can't simply tell them, you do it. They must see us walking that path as well. The third meaning of the word is to initiate or to start. The literal meaning of the Hebrew word when it's used this way is the word we get our word throttle from. And much like a a lawn or garden tool that has a gas engine, a weed trimmer or a chainsaw or a leaf blower, it has a little throttle on it and you can keep adjusting the speed of that machine. Godly parents want their children to be controlled by the Lord in terms of the speed with which they grow up. I think it's a very sad thing today, honestly, in this 21st century, that many children are being expected to grow up way too fast. Young boys and girls are reaching puberty very early on, and they seem to struggle 
with the demands that come with that, especially without proper guidance from their parents. We need to let kids be kids as much as possible and as long as possible. Because life is to be enjoyed. And adulthood is a big responsibility. Right, adults? It's a big responsibility. Not easy. We can help smooth out the operation of that growth engine as we train our children to rely on God and His power to properly control the speed of their development. And the most important factor in that throttle for us Christian moms and dads is prayer. Can't do without it. Prayer. I know that I'm here this morning after 40 plus years in full-time ministry because of my parents' prayers, my mom especially. Our, small, our house was small enough that uh, our boys' bedroom was diagonal to my mom and dad's room and I could hear them every night having devotions and praying for us kids. And they prayed for years, literally, that one of their sons would go into full-time ministry as a pastor. Here I am. Because of those prayers. I thank God for that. The fourth and final meaning of this word hanak is to create an appetite. It was often used in the Hebrew culture to refer to training a little baby who's just been born on how to suck on the mother's breast. Those ancient women, not just in the Jewish culture, but everywhere, would put their finger in the mouth of the baby and rub on the palate on the top of the mouth and teach that child to begin to suck. And it would create an appetite for the mother's milk and would cause the baby to feed and grow. In the context of training our children, I see a huge value in creating a hunger and thirst for the Word of God. That's going to set their lives in the right mode for the next 50 or 60 or more years of their lives. They need to know that we want so much for them to literally taste and see that the Lord is good. Psalm 34, verse 8. Our desire ought to be that they would desire the sincere milk of the Word that they might grow thereby. 1 Peter 2, verse 2. And finally, godly Christian parents also want their children to grow, to develop an appetite for the deeper things of God, the meat of God's Word. Listen to Hebrews 5, verse 14. But meat, or solid food, some translations say, is for the mature, who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. So those are the symbols. Dedicating and navigating in all these different ways, helping our children move forward with a hunger for the Word of God. Let's wrap up this Mother's Day message by returning to the subject of signs. In Christian homes, there are some signs of proper training and some very clear things that need to change in our homes if our children are going to grow up to love the Lord. One key sign of God-honoring training is that it takes first place first and foremost in our homes. In our 
whom. Look at how many times Moses uses the four-letter word your, Y-O-U-R. Go back with me in your Bibles just for a moment and look at it, starting in verse 1. The Lord, your God. And then he goes on as these verses continue. He talks about your son, your grandson, your life, your days, your fathers, your heart, your soul, your might, your house, your hand, your forehead, your gates. Thirteen times he uses that word your. What does it all imply? It means that we can't leave this matter of training our children to others. It's your responsibility and mine. Not someone else's. Public schools can teach a certain amount of things to our children. Christian schools, home schools can teach a lot of wonderful things, including spiritual things. They don't get that much in public schools. Sunday school is awesome. Our kids can learn a lot about God in Sunday school or in junior church. All of that can play a vital part, but the critical role of moms and dads is the role of trainers in spiritual things. And godly adults who do not have children, or perhaps aren't even married as of yet, can have a powerful impact on the lives of younger children as teachers and role models. But it takes time and commitment and a passion to see those children and teenagers become godly people. I read recently from Mark Homer's book, Building Faith at Home, of a survey that found that only 12% of children dialogue about faith and life issues with mom at home. 12%. And even worse, only 5% dialogue with dad. And 91% of young people in this survey said they did not have regular Bible reading or devotions in their homes. 91%. If we don't jump on this, we're losing the battle. Really. So it has to start in our homes. That's the first sign that it takes place in our homes, your home, my home. A second key sign of our children being directed on the narrow way is when moms and dads seek the Lord and His guidance on this important issue of training our children. Here's a wonderful passage from Jeremiah 29, beginning at verse 12. Listen to this. God is speaking here through the prophet and says, Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. Aren't you glad for that? He will listen. He promises that. And then it goes on to say, And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart, and I will be found by you. God is not hiding from us. He's not distantly removed from us saying, oh, work it out yourselves. Do the best you can. Hang in there. Somehow it will all work out. No. He is vitally involved in our homes and in our parenting if we want Him to be. We can blow that off. But if we want Him to be involved, He will. He says so. Thank God for that. God promises to be there and to answer prayer for moms and dads. How many of you this morning know without any doubt that your mom 
especially since it's Mother's Day, your mom has been or did pray for you, has been praying for you or did. Praise God. We need those prayers. And we need to be those prayers ourselves. Here's a great prayer for moms especially to pray. It's by Lisa Turkhurst. Dear Lord, being a mom is the toughest privilege I've ever loved. I don't want to mess this up. So I simply offer my willingness to be a great mom today. That's all I have to give. I trust you to fill in the gaps and give me the wisdom, patience, and discernment that will be required of me. I love this child I call my own. But in reality, this child is yours first, and you know them best. Thank you for the honor to join you on this journey of walking this precious person toward physical, emotional, and spiritual maturity. In your powerful name, Amen. Can we say amen to that this morning? Amen. What a prayer. A third and final sign of a spiritually healthy home is when our training focuses on both actions and attitudes. The attitudes that our children express toward mom and dad and their authority go a long ways in showing whether there's submission in the home or rebellion on the part of our children and whether that's going to result in right or wrong Actions. Here's an example, and I'm just picking a name here. Mommy and Tommy, little Tommy, go to the grocery store. Mommy buys what she needs, and they get up to the checkout stand right where all the candy is lined up. And Tommy says, Mommy, I want candy. No, son, you can't have any. It's too close to lunchtime. Mommy, please, I want... No, you can't have candy. He falls on the floor in the checkout line and starts crying uncontrollably, thrashing around. When she realizes that everybody's looking, she finally says, Oh, okay, get your favorite candy bar and let's go. What is she teaching him? Sadly, most of us parents are trained better by our children than our children are by us. I hope you understand what I mean. I thought long and hard in preparing this message about using the word consistency as the key word. But really, consistency in our training is part of, a vital part of that training. Far too many parents are inconsistent when it comes to training and disciplining their children in godliness. I pray for all of our children this morning that we will train them in godliness and that they will become all that God wants and we want them to be as adults who live for Him. And right now, I want all of the boys and girls who are all the young people and boys and girls who are 18 and under to stand up, please. 18 and under. I want to pray for you this morning, young people, boys and girls. And adults, please join me in prayer. Father, thank you so much for the potential in the lives of these children and young people. We can't even begin to imagine how much potential there is here. But it's great. Especially when they walk with you. So Lord, help them to love you with all their heart. Help them to see in us that kind of love and purpose and service to you. 
And may you bless them richly. Not just during what few days are left of this school year, but through the summer and into the next year of their lives. And as long as you leave them here, oh God, I pray that that potential in them will be realized and that we'll be careful to give you all the praise because we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Two things I want to stress this morning and we're done. First of all, for children of any age, if you have had or you have a godly mother, I want to challenge you to thank her today in person or in prayer. Abraham Lincoln said, He is not poor who has a godly mother. And I am the richest man in the world. Seriously. Just because of that. Had some wonderful moms in my life. So we're going to take a moment, just in just a moment, to praise Him for our moms. And then secondly... A final sign that I know applies to all of us at any age, male or female, parent or not, is this sign. Yield right of way. If our homes are going to be the kind of homes God wants them to be, and this church family, the kind of church family God wants it to be, each one of us, you know, Jesus the Savior, must yield our lives to Him the right to the way our lives are going to go. We must yield to Him. But in the must, there's also a wow. Because when we do, God richly blesses. So we're all going to stand together and I want to pray for the women and mothers here this morning. And then we're going to sing a song of prayer as we close. Savior, like a shepherd, lead us as we yield right of way to you. Would you stand? I'll pray first and then we'll sing a prayer. Father, I want to pray this morning for all of the moms here, all of the adult women here. Lord, I pray that you will bless their lives richly. May they sense today that we consider them to be very special people. Not just by giving them a geranium, by honoring them and standing right now before you and praying for them, by honoring them through, if we're a child at home, through our obedience and respect, honoring them by talking to them in person if we can, or if they've already gone on before us by just now, right now in our hearts, praising you for them, thanking you for the influence of their lives. Savior, we do ask that you would lead us. We don't know how to be the best parents we can be except as we follow the teachings of your word. But you will lead us through your word and through the Holy Spirit. And we're thankful for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you sing it with me? Savior, like a shepherd, lead us. Savior, like a shepherd, lead us. Much we need thy tender care. In thy pleasant pastures feed us. For our use 
truth stifles prepare. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, Thou hast bought us, Thine we are. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, Thou hast bought us, Thine we are. He will hear us. We are thine, do thou befriend us, be the guardian of our way. Keep thy flock from sin, defend us, keep us when we go astray. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, hear thy children when we pray. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, hear thy children when we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for being here this morning. Um, I think we have enough of those uh, geraniums for all of the adult women, whether you're a mom or not, to take one along with you and plant it somewhere at home. God bless you.